Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey all, welcome to episode 44 of Woods and Waters Project. This is Steph Lane, your host, and we have quite an episode this week. You know me, uh, if you know me, you know archery is kind of my deal, and I have been in contact with this awesome human. Her name is also Steph. And she is an archery coach in Washington State. And the way she shares about it, she teaches classes, one-on-one instruction, archery in the schools. And she is like a ray of light, has incredible energy, gives and gives and gives and shares the love of archery and teaching constantly. If you've been thinking about getting a bow into archery, want to get better at it, want to try a different type of archery, have community, mentor, this is your girl, this is your episode. Before we get into it, I wanted to let you all know to be on the lookout for events at woodsandwatersproject.com. If you check out the website right there, you can get on the mailing list to follow for any updates on events and workshops coming up. If you are in Iowa, I'm doing events in Iowa right now, but in the future we will expand. But we have an upcoming women's archery retreat in November. It is full already, already planning the second and third one. Can't wait to get it on the books. Be on the lookout and more to come. Thank you all for being here, and I cannot wait to introduce you to Steph. Here we are.
girl. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. Nice to meet you too. Uh, I know I, it's so <laughs> funny that we like do so many of the same things with the same name. Yeah, it's it, awesome. Like, it's so. Uh, just uh, I'm prefacing. I'm already recording, but I'll you know. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, you're good. Uh, sometimes people ask me like when my go is. I just do it right away. Um, just because sometimes like the beginning of the call, there's hilarious things that happen. <laughs> so, uh, you never know. Uh, no, just so you know, uh, but it's, it's not a big deal. I edit out whatever I need to edit out. Um, perfect. Yeah. So all good. I, I was actually going to talk about this. Just, you know, we have kind of been like each other's, you know, have you ever seen the quote, like no one's more supportive than, uh, like your your female social media friends yes yeah <laughs> like uh they just hype you up and like your stuff and share your stuff and me personal message you and i was gonna and, say, and don't talk to people on the internet but they're my best friends these days yeah yes <laughs> yeah for sure because you know typically in your direct everyday life i feel like a lot of people feel this way uh you know, you as a human probably have a vision for your career and your life and things you want to do, things that are outside of the box. And sometimes the people directly around you all the time, it, it it's a little outside of their comfort zone. So, you know, sometimes your direct, and this is my experience, your direct support system sometimes like doesn't really get you and your, and your goals and your plans. And then you go onto like Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and people are just hyping you up and think it's amazing. Uh, and it's just always, it's fascinating to me. <laughs> That is a great way to describe that because that's exactly what happens. Yes. Yeah. And, and then like my social media, I don't like all my family follows me. And every time I post something, my grandma will be like, this is great. But like, she doesn't actually get it. Right. But then people who are actually watching it and taking in that content, they're like, this is great. And it means entirely something different from those people than it does from my grandma. Exactly. Yes. And I, <laughs> I was just thinking about, the progression of like us getting in contact and how crazy, like to, maybe it wasn't that crazy. Maybe it's the algorithm or something. But when you reached out to me on Instagram the other day, just to say, Hey, I really like what you're doing. I swear like the day before I listened to your podcast with Courtney on her, um, inspired, uh, yeah, her inspired Journey. podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I love her. She is, she is when I got on Instagram and really wanted to build something with the podcast and my social media following and archery. She was one of the first women I followed that I'm like, oh, I you're pretty badass. Yeah, like you, like you are what I strive to be. You know, like you're my goals. That was one of the first women that I followed that I was like, oh my gosh, there are other women out there doing what I'm trying to kind of do, and um. It was a mixture of feeling like, holy cow, that's so inspiring, but also a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome, right? Because I'm like, wow, she's so awesome. How could I ever be that awesome? Uh, and that was just the start of like filling my social media pages with inspiring people and kind of being in that world. And I think it's crazy as I was thinking about you because I also saw you had a podcast um, with her wild outdoors and um 
Amy has yeah. been on my podcast and I adore her and she's incredible. And, um, like I've been thinking about you. So when you like message me, I'm like, yes, this is it. Okay. Dust Steph, reach out to her. <laughs> like, why haven't you reached out to her already? Um, I just think that stuff is so neat. And even though all of us, all the names I just said were like in different parts of the country, really, uh, we're, so, we're all connected. So, yeah. It's, it's insane. It's insane. And it's wild. I love it. It's, so I actually met Courtney in Oregon when I was a state coordinator there. And I certified her as a NASP instructor, the oh, National Archery in the Schools program. And so that's how we actually got connected. And then I, she inspired me too. And that's the big reason that I started doing a lot of what I'm doing um, was the different ladies events that her and the bow shop up north in Oregon put on. But yeah, it's amazing how, you know, people on the West Coast, people on the East Coast, we're all in for the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really, and, um, did you ever, and, and we'll get like into this too, but with what you're doing, you know, I think at first when I started this journey of wanting to do coaching and events and the podcast, I definitely felt like in my immediate area, my immediate circle, I definitely was the only one doing something like that. Uh, that I knew of because anytime I brought it up, I either got like, holy cow, that's really awesome. Or you're crazy. Don't do that. And, uh, as I got, you know, on social media and started seeing women like you and Courtney and Amy, and I can name off quite a few more now. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is already being done. But my mind has shifted so much over the years of like, I don't really look at any of that as like competition. Like I truly want across the U S for there to be other people talking about archery and hunting, you know, um, I think it's amazing. And everyone's so willing to share what we're learning. Like I, Amy's like, can you know, the next event you do, can I talk about it on my podcast and get it out there for people? I was like, heck yeah. Courtney's always there pumping me up whenever I do anything. And it's like, yes. And then, you know, I do the same if they ever ask me questions or need help getting something out. If I see something, I'm like, I'm going to share that because that's awesome. And I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Or it's just another way, you know, we all have different ways of describing the same thing. Yes. And it's great to have all of those different ways out there. I agree. I agree. And I think for anyone listening uh, who's thinking of, you know, they're, they're maybe starting a venture of some kind and they, and they maybe are feeling that either that, uh, that weight of competition or looking at someone who's doing something that they really wish they were doing and thinking, how could I ever get to that level or whatever? I would definitely encourage them to look at it from a different light of a looking at what they're doing and being happy for them and congratulating them and pumping them up because community over competition, I think is really important. And then also just knowing what's like, if someone is having great success with this, that means there's a need for it. And exactly what you said, you as an individual are going to hit people and different people, you know, differently. You're going to reach a different group. They're going to connect with you on a different level and you might inspire and impact them in a way someone else won't and vice versa. And that's okay. You know, we're not all for everybody. And I think we need more of us to get people into these, you know, sports and adventures and try new things. So 
uh, yeah, absolutely. Everything hits different, you know, from different people, just totally, di- totally different human beings. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, I think you're incredible I'm... <laughs> and I'm so excited to have this conversation. Well, thank you so much. I think you're incredible too. I love that we're connecting in this way. I think it's awesome to have, I'm just excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And to get, <laughs> I have so many things, you know, I, I love, so I'm, I'm going to hop around cause that's just my style, but you have, uh, you have a website, but on your website, you have your blog, which is Letterfly. And when I was thinking about that, I'm like, that is very much the uh, gist of this podcast is really just a conversation and it could be all over the place, random thoughts, but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully we touch on a lot of big, important things. But I, I just want to share your story. I want to talk about you and highlight you as an individual, but also talk about archery. Uh, I think that you and I, between what we do, we can talk about this for a long time. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just want to, I just want to let her fly. So Steph, if you could introduce yourself, that'd be amazing. All right. My name is Stephanie. I own Let Her Fly. It's actually, um, its own business now. And I go by the Archer Steph on Instagram and that's kind of how everything got started. I used to be a I got into archery around when I was 12, and the reason was I wanted to go hunting with my dad, um, and he had grown up as a rifle hunter, and I really wanted nothing to do with guns, and I don't, thinking back now, I don't remember if this was my way of getting out of going hunting with him, or if I actually thought this was a good alternative, but I was like, well, I'm not going to shoot a gun, but I'll shoot a bow, and my dad had never shot a bow before in his life, and he was like, oh, okay, and so he went and talked to one of his buddies who happened to have a Genesis bow, they let him borrow it. I started shooting in the backyard. He was like, oh, she's actually going to stick with this. Went out and got my first Hoyt and shot my first elk when I was 13. Um, So then after that, I got into more of the competition side of archery. My dad and I actually started our own Joe Ed Club. And then once I became a certified instructor, my local bow shop was like, hey, can you come run lessons for us? So I've been doing lessons for people since I was 16. And I went off to college. I honestly... I brought my bow to school, but because I was in the dorms, they don't let you keep your bow with you or your gun or anything. Even though I went to school in Montana, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, And I got really tired of checking my bow out. I only did it once, but I got tired of it that quickly. Um, (laughs) And so I basically brought it back home. And the couple years that I was in Montana, I didn't shoot very much. Archery kind of dwindled away for me, but I got into duck hunting. So I finally did pick up a gun and... I am so thankful for just this guy in accounting. He became a really good friend of mine. We still talk every so often to this day. And he just started inviting me to go duck hunting. He lent me a pair of waders. That was like the biggest thing is, you know, it's so expensive to buy all of the equipment. But if someone's just willing to help you get started, let you borrow something. He took the pair of waders that had a hole in the boot. I still remember him getting across the river and dumping his boot out and just like a stream of water coming out of his waders. So I felt really bad. Um, (laughs) But I was thankful they weren't my boots and I didn't have wet socks. Uh, But after that, I actually went to work for a bank um, back in Washington State. And it was miserable for someone who just craved being outdoors and being active. 
being a bank teller and sitting behind a counter was miserable. <laughs> so the only way to describe it for me, I liked working with money. I liked organizing things, but it just wasn't something I could do 40 hours a week. So then I saw on Facebook, um, Oregon had posted its position for the archery education coordinator. And that was not even a job I knew existed. And there's one in about every state now. Um, and they run different programs. They run workshops and different things just to get people into archery, to get women, family, kids, to talk people through their first bow hunting experiences, everything, mentored hunts. It's a really great program, and it's a little bit different in every state depending on how much money they have, what activities they do, what animals you can hunt. Um, but it was awesome, and it really got me into this community. And so once COVID hit, I didn't want to stay in Oregon anymore, and so I actually left, and now I work directly for the National Archery in the Schools program as their Western Regional Coordinator. And that's how I got where I am today. And I run, um, so I work for them full-time, and then I also run local lessons, youth camps, and ladies' events. Amazing. There are so <laughs> many things uh, that, like, I can relate to in this, just in the intro, and what, but, like, I think are particularly special, too, about you and when you talk about first of all starting to uh pick up a bow when you're 12 and then shoot an elk when you're 13 is like amazing to me um and to learn that with your father is super special uh is your dad does he does he did he stay like with shooting a bow after that so he was not as competitive as i am but he still <laughs> bow hunts every year um and he actually owns a guide business down in colorado now so I luck out every three years. I get to draw an elk permit and go down and go hunting with him. What? That's awesome. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. That's very cool. I uh, I started hunting when I was really little. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And my older brother never really got into hunting. Um, but when I, so being the second born, I was really eager to go with my dad and I was like four. So he started taking me duck hunting when I was four. And I remember when my little brother came into this world uh, and then my dad wanted to start taking him. It was a mixture of like, I loved hunting with my little brother, but then my brother got really into guns and I wanted to be different <laughs> and wanted, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into bows. And I kind of like put the guns aside uh, for archery to have like that specific thing with my dad because I, I'm just like, I think as a kid, I was not very good at sharing. <laughs> I can see, I feel the same way. <laughs> I can totally understand that. Yeah. And it was kind of like, I had this special thing with my dad and then it kind of went away. It kind of went away. Uh, and so I think archery was my way of being different. So I had something specific with my dad and then like all the gun stuff was my brother. So I, I like get that whole kind of thought process of like, cause I think to some extent, you know, I stopped going hunting with him if it required a gun. Cause I, I kind of just wanted my time with him a little bit. So I totally relate to that. Uh, and now I do all of it. I love, I love all of it. Uh, it's funny how we get back to it. Like, oh, yeah, I, I want nothing to do with it. But now it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. I want to do that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about your classes. And um, I definitely want to dive into, like, the NASP program and the JOAD program, uh, the JOAD clubs that you've done. 
the classes and everything, I was just having a conversation with a local outdoor store here because I, this winter, am doing um, youth and women classes there um, as well. And we were having a conversation about that. That was just like an interesting perspective that he had that he's been finding. And I, I'm just curious on your thoughts because this just came up yesterday. Was he's like, what I see is for women, and there's exceptions and rules, you know, there's exceptions to the rule for this. But he's like, a lot of times I see that women get really into archery. Like they, they pick up the bow, they realize how fun and awesome it is. They, they take that step and then it eventually leads to hunting. Where men, he said, he like he experiences, uh, will get into hunting from the gun side, and it eventually leads them to bow hunting and then archery. And I was like reflecting on that. And again, this is a general statement, but I also have had that exact experience. So I've taught men, women, kids, um, both from the hunting perspective and the archery perspective. And I would say that is that is an interesting. Um, look on it but that has been my experience and I uh, when I teach my archery classes I don't always make them hunting specific Mm -hmm. but they do end up going that way do you do you feel that see that or do you get a lot more of archery specific like I just want to go into archery as a sport or does it typically lead down the path of hunting it depends on the age group because the lessons that I do, you couldn't see me, but I was nodding along the entire time, <laughs> just agreeing with everything you were saying. Um, definitely the kids and women are, they get marketed to a lot more about just the, hey, come try archery because it's it's great for your confidence. It's a great activity to be doing, to be active and just all of the things versus guys I don't really have to market to. Mm-hmm. They just come to me and they're like, hey, I have this bow. I'm going hunting. Can you help me with my form? Yep. And yeah. um, so, yes, 100%. I think guys get into it more for the hunting side. And I think that might be changing a little bit right now, too. Definitely. There's kind of been a shift recently, especially through the pandemic, where people are just getting into it for more of an activity and not necessarily hunting, especially with all the changes in hunting regulations and fees and stuff coming, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Um out here and I I think I'm sure so last year during COVID I really try to like avoid even talking about it on the podcast but it just I can't help myself and uh, (laughs) during 2020 I just think it was a fascinating year because I got some insight into this through some of the classes too and just people I know in the area and I think it was something like turkey hunting tags in 2020 went up like over 40 percent Camping went up over 60%. Um, bow hunting, all tags were like up over 40% uh, of just in, in 2020. And I, I think that has created a ripple effect of people realizing how many other things there are out there to do. And mm-hmm. now that we're kind of coming out of some of the having to stay home, I think the classes now are becoming more attractive to people because now they're going out, they're leaving their house. They want to go do things. They want to meet people, uh, be in a community, you know, lacking that human interaction. So I I think you're totally right with that. Like, I think the classes are, they're reaching people differently now, you know, uh, they want to do. Yeah. It's that need for connection and just getting out, and, yeah, we noticed the same thing here with the increase in 
licensed sales and everything. And, you know, bows, they couldn't keep them on the racks due to lack of manufacturing being done. And the numbers just couldn't keep up with the orders. And it was amazing just to see, you know, all of the new people at the range. I'm on the board for my local archery um, range. And our, our Dropbox fee, it was just always full. <laughs> and we never had that much participation. We're like, oh, yeah, like this past month was great and usually we don't have anyone that comes right now so it was amazing from like all sides of things not the covid side but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no I, I think um as awful of a year as 2020 was i think for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons um i think there is a lot of interesting things that have happened from it that are really positive and great uh and i think the interest in shooting sports and hunting in the outdoors is like a great um is a something great that came from it i hope it sticks you know i hope it sticks yes yeah uh could you tell us a little bit about um the nasp program and you know for those who don't know uh you know i i'm located in iowa you're in washington yes Mm -hmm. and um, I know that those programs, uh, that program in Iowa is huge and growing, uh, but we have listeners from all over the place. So could you, could you uh, tell us a little bit about the NASP program? Yeah, I can break it down a little bit for you. So it was started in 2002 and it is worldwide now. Um, we're in 48 states and other countries, Africa, Canada, um, few others that I can't think of right now and basically what it is is it's the National Archery in the Schools program so we train school teachers how to be archery instructors they get an equipment kit which includes Genesis bows which is a universal compound bow that can fit anyone from fourth grade to adult male um, and a Genesis arrow so it's an aluminum arrow versus carbon and they get to learn through instructions during in-school curriculum curriculum how to shoot a bow and we reach millions of kids every year and maybe they don't become an archer although we have data that shows a lot of them do go purchase their own bows or hunting licenses or stick with some kind of shooting sport afterwards maybe they only had that one hour in pe or however long their session was um but it's it's not about that it's about letting them know and letting them find success because not everyone can throw a ball or kick a ball or run, but everyone can shoot a bow. And it's based on setting kids up to be successful in a way that is safe and fun. And so it's great and they love it. It's unique. And the kids that stick with it actually come back. A lot of them to become instructors themselves or go back and help their school programs after they graduate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. And I uh, actually, coaching wise for me, started with US archery. And Mm -hmm. there are some, there are a lot of like similarities. And sorry, I'm losing my voice horrible. It's just not a good, not good. It's (laughs) podcast day. Uh, Can't lose my voice. But uh, there are some slight differences. And I, I did shadow a pretty big high school out in Iowa, in the eastern part of Iowa, uh, 
because I was thinking about also getting into the NASP program and helping teach at schools. <clears throat> it was I was thinking about that idea. Uh, and when I went, this particular school is one of the largest in this part of the state. And there were hundreds of kids out for this for this program. And um, it was so incredible. And growing up nearby, this just wasn't, um, I'm not that old. So it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'm 30. And, you know, so just basic math here, like 12, yeah, right. 12, 12 ish years ago. Like this wasn't, um, this wasn't an option or a thing for me, you know, like, and it's grown so much so quickly. And I, I'm just like, I was just in like enthralled by it. Like all these coaches, it took, you know, it takes a good dozen coaches for this one school, um, to have that many kids involved. And right. these kiddos were, um, there were, there were all, um, like, like what you're saying, it's, it's not like your football team, right? Where everyone has, um, they can run and jump and lift and do all these things. This is a very diverse group of kiddos, you know, uh, and all backgrounds. Some of them do sports. Some of them ever have. Some of them, this is like their step into that and being a part of something. So it's so much bigger than just like archery itself. Um, I think it brings people together who may never have connected before and shows people of all physical, physical ability, like what they can do and that this is for them. Uh, I know the NASP program has this, but we did with my U S archery training, they did like some adaptive shooting, uh, mm -hmm. exercises with us and showing how to work with all like all people can do archery. And I think that is so beautiful because growing up, if you would have told me that I'd been like, I wouldn't have understood that, uh, how everyone can do archery. And like my eyes have been open to that. Uh, so I'm really, I'm just really inspired by like the work that you do and the NASP program does with the schools. Cause I think it can be life-changing for people. I know archery has been life-changing for me. Me too. And you know, I love getting the happy stories from teachers at the end of the year. Um, there was one specific one in Oregon and she was like, this kid was ready to drop out. He wasn't passing any of his classes by the end of the year once he found archery and once he was told he had to get his grades up to stay with archery he did he found his connection to school through archery and he ended up graduating and it's like just the little success stories like that it just warms your heart and you know you're not doing it for the kid you are for the kids that have everything but more importantly for the kids that don't have everything and that just need that extra step building their confidence and finding success and we have the saying in NASP, if, if they can be successful on the range, they can be successful in the classroom, and then they can be successful in life, and they can know they'll be successful in life. Oh, I love that so much. And I think, I think there's some, there, archery is still, for those who don't know, until you do it yourself, you know, at first, it's just like, uh, it can seem like getting the proper form, pulling the bow back and letting an arrow fly, right? Like it can seem like that at first, but the it's thing so I love, simple. right? And, and it, it it's uh, archery to an extent is like a level playing field too. Um, mm -hmm. 
because you're not, you don't have to be the biggest and strongest and fastest to be great at archery. And I think that's amazing. And I think it's humbling for people. I know for me, um, I know where archery has impacted my life in a strange way is when I shoot my bow, if I'm like not okay, like if I'm super stressed or uh, just not feeling myself and I'm like in a bad headspace, it doesn't really matter how good I was shooting my bow maybe the week before. That day, I'm probably shooting like crap uh, <laughs> because for me, it's very mental. Um, when I'm in my head, I don't shoot well. Uh, I'm not paying attention to my body and really thinking about things and taking my deep breaths and uh, doing things the right way. And archery has always been very telling for me of like, okay, time for you to get out of your head and just focus on this right now. And when I do that and have that check-in with myself, my archery, my shooting significantly improves. And then when I'm done shooting, I feel way better just like as a person um i talk about that a lot in my women's classes specifically uh you know with kiddos i don't usually lay that on thick for them <laughs> immediately uh, i could see that yeah <laughs> but with with uh with adults i do um because sometimes that's just what they're looking for is an outlet and i guess i you know what i'm in a roundabout way trying to get to is i'm wondering because we like to get deep here in this podcast, uh, what uh, what has archery done for you on like that level? Like it has to be a healing therapeutic thing for you, I imagine. Uh, I would say it's my range therapy. It's my escape. And so when I lost it for a while, so, and I talk about this a little bit on my Instagram, um, but so when I turned 16, I actually found out I had, it was two days before homecoming. Um, I started having some lower right stomach pains and was in the ER for two nights before homecoming. And they said, you have appendicitis, you need to have surgery. And so luckily, like it wasn't immediate. I was able to take a break or still go to homecoming. It was very important at the time and then go get surgery. And then once I had surgery, they found I actually had an endometriosis too, which affects a lot more women than people even know about, um, and so I was out for the count and they told me I wasn't allowed to shoot my bow. And at the same time I got a boyfriend. And so then I even wasn't even shooting a bow more. Yeah. And then I was in a long-term relationship that wasn't the best. Um, there was some emotional abuse that I was going through and just a lot of stress and anxiety. And when that relationship ended is actually when I came back with our tree in a big way. And that's why I say it saved me um, just because, you know, I'm able to go to the range. I'm able to make the connection with the women that I meet and pull together. I've always been told I'm the glue that people who never would have thought they would have been friends with other people. Like I just make these little groups wherever I go. Um, <laughs> if I meet you, I'm always like, oh, you want to be my friends? And I just, yeah, I'm that extrovert that pulls all of the introverts in. Um, but yeah, so archery and just as a sport and as a connective activity, it, it saved me during a really bad time. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I'm like not like that is like such a beautiful thing, but I'm I'm not because for my own experience, like I I I understand, like I, I it pulls me out of uh, ruts or you know because um, sometimes I'm like really into shooting my bow, like as much as I you know sometimes uh, as a teacher and doing a lot of coaching, uh, even uh, mentoring hunts too, it goes into this is sometimes I don't always give myself enough time to go hunting by myself or enough time to shoot my bow by myself or enough time to do those things I love that like refuel me because I do get so much energy from teaching and being with other people because Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert as well. Uh, Sometimes I forget to just do it for myself Um, and I need to, right? Like I need to shoot my bow just for me sometimes even when it's sighted in I'm good to go for hunting season, you know. I need to just go shoot just to shoot because I love it sometimes, um, not just because I'm teaching or I have to get ready for hunting. Uh, I need to do those things, and um, I, I totally, like, hear you and, and what you're saying. Is it – is it uh, – yeah, I don't know. I'm going to cut that part out because I'm like <laughs> – I'm just like, I'm like deep in my thoughts here. Uh, but And I would say I'm a little bit the opposite of you. So instead of like noticing that my shots get worse when I'm in a bad mood or going through something, whenever I step onto that range and the mental process that I go through when I'm shooting, it doesn't really allow me to think about anything else. It's me having my methodical step process that I have to go through with every shot and it just lets me clear my head and I can just have a good time with the people around me and not have to worry about everything else that might be going on that I have to take care of once I get home. Yeah. And that's more of what I guess I was trying to say was if I, if I come to the range and I go to that line and I'm thinking about like, if I'm not clearing my head, I gotcha. Yeah. I will shoot like crap. Uh, and then it forces me to like get out of my head and then the second I'm out like once I do that um that's like my that's like my extra shot or my extra step in shooting (laughs) if you want to talk about like the steps of shooting that's like my first one probably before stance is like where are where's your head at okay you like in this you're here to like do the thing okay great now let's do the thing (laughs) and uh, let's do the thing exactly (laughs) because uh yeah I can um I I perform better like some people like in sports I think when they're like really pissed and they're like motivated (laughs) and you know whatever they perform better uh I think I perform better when I'm like lighthearted and happy uh, just in things. I was, I was going to say, that doesn't really work for archery. Yeah, right. And I, um, growing up playing so many sports where I was surrounded by people who were hot-headed and um, very competitive. I have a very competitive family. Uh, that just never boded well. That doesn't bode well for me. Um, I, I'm like the, I'm competitive, but I need to be like happy. Like, you know, I need to just be like having a good time. And that's when I'm successful. Yeah, I'm always about like the mini competitions with the other people at the range. I I'm I'll probably I goad them too much. It's okay, but 
like when I go, like I'm going to Vegas this year to shoot in the World Archery Festival, and I have no expectations of winning. I'm literally just going to have fun and hang out with people, and that's a big thing for me. And I think why I'm a confident shooter, I'm comfortable in my abilities. So many people you see getting frustrated on the line and struggling with what they're doing shooting wise. And once you start letting those thoughts into your head when you're shooting, your everything just starts to go downhill. Archery is 99% mental ability and only 1% actually physical talent. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so just like, I don't, I'm I'm not saying that I don't care how I shoot, but the thing is, is a bad shot is a bad shot. That doesn't mean my next shot's going to be a bad shot. Right. You think about what's happening, you reflect on it, you think about what changes you have to make and you move on. It's already done. There's no need to worry about it. And that's a hard thing to do. And you know, I'm not perfect. I don't do it every time, but just learning and growing and being able to do that can make a big difference in your shooting abilities. Yeah, I love that so much. What you just said about it's already happened, move on, work on the you know like the next shot. Um, Paige Pierce actually told me that when I was huh, I was less than sixteen, so I want to say she was sixteen. But we were at a competition in Darrington. It was the national field archery shoot so all of the pros traveled to come to it. And you know, of course, my dad was like, "Okay, Paige, you have like these young kids." young girls here what's your piece of advice for them and that's what she said and she probably has no idea that she told us that but it stuck with me for all these years oh, yeah like that is like I you know verbiage wise am going to copy that <laughs> going forward <laughs> just because it's a simple it's, it's a simple thing and it's a good uh sometimes it's a good it's a good life advice too uh but no I think that's amazing and it, and it sounds kind of crazy because for those who want to get into archery and haven't even picked up a bow yet, it's like, okay, how, like, I don't, you know, they, they until they do it, they don't know what they don't know of like how mental it is. Um, because at first, you know, it's just a matter of like, I just don't want to thwap my arm, you know, I, yeah. I, I just want to hit the target. Uh, and it's crazy at these, you know, in groups, like, I, I, I very much feel like you have seen this a hundred times, probably even more so than me, of way more than me, of that person who is kind of reluctant to do the class maybe or to learn. You know, maybe they step up to that, either step up to their line for like their first shot. They pick up that bow and they're feeling a little awkward because they're not even sure if they're holding the bow correctly. Um, sometimes they're not. It's usually upside down. Yes, yeah. It's upside down. <laughs> and then they'll hold it out in front of them and they go, this doesn't seem right. And I'm like, you're right. And then we'll like do that. And some of those same people, every class I've ever taught, it starts that and all of a sudden they hit the target. They're super pumped up. And now we tweak some things, you know, and then they're hitting more consistently. And now they're like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like you just see this like light. And then all of a sudden, like near the end of the class, they're so focused and like just, I mean, they get hooked so quickly and you see such a drastic change um, in their demeanor from the beginning of the class to the end. And I, like, am I, am I am the only one saying this? Like, it's like an addictive feeling to watch those people. Like, uh, uh, that's a hundred percent the reason that I keep doing this. People ask me why I'm an instructor and I say it's literally for that smile when someone hits their first bullseye. Yes. When they turn and every time if you're standing there watching them, 
they turn and look at the instructor with just this giant grin on their face and I high five them. And that is my reason for, for why I do what I do. Yes. I love that so much. <laughs> Cause I, sometimes like if I say this to like non-archery folks, they're like, ah, I can see your passion. I'll just believe you. And I'm like, no, you have to go and see it for yourself and experience it. Um, when you're through the NASP program, so when you are teaching, basically, right, you're teaching teachers how to be an instructor, uh, mm-hmm. are oftentimes those teachers, like, new to archery as well? I would say probably 75% of the ones that come have never picked up a bow before, or if they had, it was back when they were a kid in a similar program. Are they pretty... Are most of them pretty, like, open or, like, I'm sure there's some nerves with that, right? They're like, how am I going to, with no archery experience, go in and teach all these kids? Like, what does that look like and sound like? I feel like, so, I don't see a lot of that in the class itself, but I think that's a reason that is kind of a barrier to growth in the program Mm -hmm. is because people are like, oh, I can't do that. I've never shot a bow before. I have no experience. I'm not going to even consider this program. But the thing is, is we take someone who's never shot a bow And we give them all of the steps that they need to work with these kids and get them shooting their first arrow safely and having fun. Um, But yes, in the class, it's always the ones that think they're going to be terrible, but they put the most focus into it. They're not overthinking it because overthinking it, we just discussed, doesn't do you any good. Um, (laughs) But the ones that pay attention, they really think about their form. They always perform so well. And teachers are the most, one, they're not good at listening. They're the worst students. But two, they are the most competitive. If I, I don't know if you've ever played Survivor with your groups, but basically what it is is you start with the whole entire target face on a multicolored target face, and you get three arrows, and you have to shoot white or better the first round. So you can shoot in the white, black, blue, red, or yellow. The second round, if you have any arrows left, it goes to black or better, and then blue or better, and then red or better, and it's the person with the last arrow wins. And so I play this game with them and they think they're just playing a game. But the reason I do it is because it's amazing to watch how fast their groups start to tighten up. And once you actually, you know, they're not just shooting the bullseye or the blank set of the target anymore. There's something at stake now. They want to win. And teachers, they, they just really want to win and they want to beat the other teachers, even if they don't know them, because most of them come by themselves. A few bring one or two, two other people from their school, but most of them come by themselves. And so that group, as the colors get smaller on the target face and they have to keep aiming for that bullseye, their arrows just end up so close together. And the last couple of classes I've had, we haven't actually lost anyone until the sudden death at the end where it's closest <laughs> to bullseye wins. That's you know, a smaller target face. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Like it just brings out this like fever in people sometimes. And it just, yeah. it's, so, it's so incredible. Um, what, because it's a good kind of drug. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, when you were saying earlier, like you're just nodding, I've, I have to like, you know, sometimes vocalize that I'm also nodding <laughs> the whole time. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, for, okay. So there are probably really common questions that you get all the time. And I know that I do, um, you know, classes, and I'm hoping that we could kind of talk about some of those really common questions. Uh, you know, anyone who's looking to get into archery or, uh, you know, um, get, in, get better, right? Mm-hmm. So to start, 
after a class, after I post something, uh, I usually get someone reaching out to me personally and they'll say, okay, I want to get a bow. Where do I start? Right. And well, it's not even that it's what bow should I buy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What bow should I buy? What do you think I should get? And I am curious, like how you respond to that or what you would tell someone, uh, who's asking you. The first question I ask them is what they're hoping to do with archery. Are you looking into getting into bow hunting? Are you looking to be a target archery, whether you want to be competitive or just shooting for fun? Or is this something that you're going to take your spouse, your kids, your friends, and just shoot in your back backyard? And based on that answer, um, then I direct them to, okay, you're going to want to be looking at these compound bows or these three curves or um, kind of that line. And from there I go, okay, set your budget. Because the worst thing you can do is walk into a bow shop and they, a lot of times, most of them are very good. And the first question they will ask is, what's your budget? But some of them also are like, oh, if I can get the $1,000 bow in their hand, they're going to want the $1,000 bow and then I'll make more money. Um, so if you know your budget ahead of time and you don't shoot anything outside your budget, because if you do shoot something outside your budget, you're probably going to want it because it's smoother, faster, quieter. Um, but so I direct them to what they're looking to do with it, their budget. And then I'm like, okay, here's the questions that you should know, not necessarily know the answers to, but these are the questions that the bow shop should be asking. What's your draw length? What kind of weight do you think you're going to be pulling? And then go to your bow shop. I always recommend people try a local pro shop versus a box store. And the reason is, is box stores don't have specific training for their archery technicians. Some will send them out to do some kind of training, but there's no like overall training that these people in these positions get. So you could get someone with 30 years of archery experience behind the counter, and that's amazing. Or you could get the guy who's actually from the gun department who's just filling in for the day. And you never know what you're going to get. First is an archery shop. There's usually a lot more experience and information there, and they're a lot more willing to help you out along the way. Um, I know with my personal archery shop, I can go in there with any question, and they're going to spend the time with me to make sure I'm set up right. Um, that was a really long answer to your question, but that's kind of the pathway that no, I go. No, because there's so many. No, not not at all, because, uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's a different there's different layers there, too, because uh, with the question of, you know, what are you wanting to do with it? I think sometimes that uh, that uncovers a lot um, because when you ask that question back to somebody, uh, sometimes I don't know if they even realize the answer until they're asked. So mm -hmm. they they put the bow in their hand and they're like, "Wow, I really love this." And um, like half the time, it's they they eventually want to do something bigger with it, you know? Like, they don't want to say it out loud because they're so new. Um, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, sometimes they shoot a bow and they're like, I want to keep doing this, but in the back of their mind, they're like, I want to bow hunt someday. But they're not saying that yet because they're so new, right? And, and what, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and a lot of people ask, what's a good beginner's bow? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is any good archer is going to shoot any bow that's handed to them well, Yes. There's the the big difference is price and what you're getting for that price. And so I always tell people there's no beginner's bow. It's whatever fits you best, whatever you go in and you enjoy shooting and whatever you can afford at that time. 
But I'm also the person where I recommend saving up a little bit longer if you want to buy something a little bit nicer because I've seen too many people walk into the bow shop and two ninety nine is usually um, bare bow, the, the least expensive for a good one. Yeah. And they'll walk out with a, a $299 bow and then they'll come back a month later and they'll say, hey, can I try that $1,000 Matthews you have on the rack? Well, now they just spent 1300 bucks when they could have only spent 1000 Right, right. And I know from experience too, like how it just, the one thing for me that gets me right away before I even like shoot it, uh, I have a Matthews bow. I have a new Matthews bow now. Um, but the last series of Matthews, uh, this is not anything against Matthews. I love my bow. Um, I'm obsessed. But the, the last year's model before the recent one, um, a lot of the way, like, I was so stuck on a certain bow just from everything I read about it, looked up about it. I had never really invested, like, a ton, like lots and lots of money in my bow before. Um, my I've had two other compound bow, bows before the one I have now. Um, that my dad gifted me. One was like his, so I learned to like pull a heavy draw weight and pulled a bow that was way too big for me for a really long time. Oh no! Um, but you know, I was I, I was eleven and I was successful at like three D shoots uh, with it, which that's a funny story um, that I'll have to come back to. But uh, anyway, uh, I never spent a lot of money, you know. But I knew that with how much I love archery and hunting and everything I'm doing, I wanted to eventually invest in something bigger. And sometimes, like, I got really stuck on this one bow, regardless of the advice I would get. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. And then I got one in my hand, and I, I hated the way it felt in my hand. And just the grip of it. Like, I didn't – it just felt – I can't even explain it. It hit the bones in my hand, you know, kind of funny. Um, didn't quite feel right. Just didn't feel comfortable. And it kind of, like, crushed me, right? But I had this, like – idea of like this is a bow this is the bow this is the bow this is what I'm getting and when I finally had it in my hands I was like immediately no it was an immediate no (laughs) and I would just say uh I found one that you know I love now but uh I would just say for people like that is going to happen marketing tactics are going to get get you to believe that you have to have something um because you know you you know uh, until it's in your hand, though, um, it's it, it matters how it fits you and what feels good for you and what you can be successful with. Agreed. I'm nodding again. Um, <laughs> yes, and that's why I always recommend try as many bows in your price range as you can. It sucks for women because a lot of times it's either a youth bow, which is not a bad thing, one of the bows I actually recommend the most is um, the Mission Hammer, and it's a very adjustable bow. You lose some quality with so much adjustability, but that doesn't mean it's a bad bow. Um, and so just, but where I was going with that is, as women, a lot of bows don't fit us. You have a 70-pound, 30-inch drop rack full of bows. That didn't make sense bows on the rack and you know you're like oh what what can I shoot and they're like well we have this one bow you can try unless you want to special order something but then you're stuck with a bow that you have to special order without even trying it first yeah 
Um, so I think with the influx of women getting into the sport, shops are getting a little bit better about having at least a few bows on the rack. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that used to be a big, big problem is there was never anything unless you special ordered it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of, yeah, I think it's better for sure. I think to an extent it still kind of is. Um, mm-hmm. and this maybe isn't even being a woman, but I'm, I'm five, five. I'm not like that short, you know, but, uh, my, my draw length is, uh, 25. So that is sometimes as short as a bow will go. A lot of bow, right. uh, manufacturers that, that is as short as it goes. And that has been interesting for me because I, again, like I'm, like I'm on the shorter side, but five, five is not, you know, there's a lot of archers that are much shorter than me. Um, that I think that it's, that's interesting. Um, that most bows won't go down that far and that's a bummer. And that's, you know, both for men and women, but it makes it hard. It makes it really tricky, um, for it to fit you correctly. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying. The, the first bow I had from my dad, it was a little long. So I, had some bad habits really early. I, I was successful with it. I adjusted, but it was not the right way to go about it by any means. Um, as far as like draw weight too, do you get a lot of, Mm -hmm. I I feel like I, I do get a lot of questions for that. Um, when you have someone ask, or maybe they ask you in a different way, what draw weight should I start at? Uh, what is your general advice? Usually I recommend something that they can shoot at least 30 arrows comfortably before they start to get shaky. And then don't stop there. Every so often put another half a turn into the bow and slowly start working your way up because you're going to see better performance once that bow's a little bit heavier. Um, women tend, and children tend to start between 10, or not 10, 20 and 30 pounds. And that's not a bad thing. It's just because archery uses your shoulder, shoulder, back, and arm muscles that you really don't use for anything else. So unless you want to start getting out there and doing your push-ups and planks and pull-ups, maybe some burpees, um, the best way to build up that strength is just repetitive shooting. So start low where you're comfortable. It's okay. The question I actually get more is how, or maybe I don't get it as a question, but I see people posting about it a lot is that women think they need to be shooting 60 to 70 pounds to go hunting. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's not the case for what I've seen. A lot of states, the legal limits, some states have like 30 pounds for deer, but most are around 40 or 50. And I personally only go up to 55 for hunting. And that's more than enough for me knowing that I have, I'm in my comfortable shot range. And I know I'm going to be consistent and confident enough to hit my target. And I don't shoot anything beyond that. Know your conditions. Um, have a good arrow set up with good, couldn't think of the word sharp, <laughs> broadheads. Um, and, and with the development of new technology on the bows, you don't have to shoot something that's super heavy anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I... Uh... And it's amazing um, how quickly 
and maybe it doesn't sound quickly to people when they're getting started because I know the feeling of wow I really want to do something and I just wish I was good at it already you know like I gosh I wish I could just be great at this already but you have to go through the practice and you have to go through the motions of something to get you know really good at something and uh with draw weight we uh, do this program out in Iowa that I've been a part of. I've talked about it a couple times called Field the Fork. So we take 10 adults um, in, a ba- in an area that typically, so this first group I ever did, none of them ever shot a bow and none of them had ever hunted before. And mm-hmm. we, in 10 weeks, got them out deer hunting. So to do that, we had to practice every week, go through uh, different bow hunting skills and everything. But the big thing was shooting their bow every single week. And in Iowa, you legally have to pull back 40, 40 pounds. Um, I believe it's still that. Uh, this is a few years ago. But, uh, you know, they, we wanted everyone to be at 40 pounds. Well, when they're getting started, uh, th- these are muscles, like you're saying, that people aren't using all the time. And after their first, uh, you know, time shooting, they might be a little sore or it just seems really hard for them. And it can... It can get them kind of down in the dumps. They're like, I don't know if in 10 weeks I'm going to be able to pull back 40 pounds. Um, And I'll tell you, it's about half men, half women. And every single person in that class got to 40 pounds. You know, I'm just saying that there's a, if we're talking from the hunting perspective and all of that, every single one of them got to 40 pounds and every single one of them got all of their arrows in a nine inch circle because they had to... Uh, pass a, a shooting test to go out hunting um, in the specific area that we were taking them. So they had to, in 10 weeks, go from never hunting, never shooting, to being able to pull back 40 pounds and being consistent, and every one of them passed. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and like, I I mean, looking back, now I have all the confidence in that, but being a part of that for the first time, I was like, holy smokes, man, I don't know if everyone's going to pass, right? Because this is this is hard. It takes people a long time sometimes. And uh, it was amazing. It was so incredible to see their confidence grow. They, they got stronger, more accurate. Um, you know, there were multiple people, and it was more of a form thing, that, you know, when, we, when their bow was down to, like, the 20s, it, you know, like I said, it was making them sore. They were a little shaky. And that, oh, my gosh, the growth in 10 weeks. Like, and a lot of these people were shooting on their own, but about half of them were only shooting once or twice a week. Um, but they were just really focused when they were there. And I guess uh, in short, what I'm saying is for the most part, you can get there, you know, but you don't have to shoot 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds. Uh, but you can absolutely make, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm weak, I, I, I can't do this you can get stronger but none of that came from those people going to the gym it came from them right it came from them shooting um that's it you know going going to the gym can help yeah it can expedite that process a little bit but it's not necessary right and another thing is is don't compare yourself to other archers even if they're the same size as you Mm -hmm. size as you everyone's a little bit different and everyone grows and learns at different rates and just let it happen you are your own person just let your story go at its own speed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's such great, great advice all throughout the sport of archery. Uh, like the comparison game can get you. Uh, I know 
through so so some of the uh, students I've had um, and athletes I've had they you maybe get their foot in archery right and so then you start getting into the world of like maybe social media um, groups to join clubs to join uh, forums to follow uh, you know where they put all these questions they share their gear they do hunts together or shoots together right so then once they start getting into that world that's where I like I, I just I just let them go do their thing, but I try not to. Sometimes I feel like I have to be mama bear, right? A little mm-hmm. because now they're getting exposed to the positive, awesome community, but they're also getting exposed to some of the negativity that comes with it, um, and all of the false information. Yes, exactly. It is there anything? This is a loaded question, but is there anything out there that like kind of? you find frustrating in all of those areas that the misinformation or something that you wish you could like debunk or, you know, I'm trying to think of the one I saw this morning and it is not coming to me. Um, one of my least favorite things to see on social media though, is all of the women in bikinis standing in a farm field, (laughs) shooting their bow upside down. (laughs) But I'm amazed at how many mutual friends I have that like those posts. That both male and female. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm on the in-between because I'm like, okay, yes, she's in a bikini. That was her choice. That's okay. You won't find me out there in a bikini. But I'm still about empowering women. So I'm like, okay, if if that's her thing, go for it. Um, But it's just not the way that I would personally choose to do it. Um, but other things, there's a trend and it goes back and forth between being a joke and being like people actually asking for help, but it's the, how's my form? I don't know if you've seen kind of that line on posts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and people are just willing to rip people apart. And my thing is, is like when I see a hashtag that I follow and someone post a picture and I'm like, oh, there's something off with your form. As long as it's not a safety hazard, I won't say anything. But I will leave a comment on there just in hopes that they will connect with me in some way. Mm-hmm. And not a not a like, hey, come follow my page kind of comment, but just a like, I won't say like, oh, your elbow's bent the wrong way, but I might be like, hey, your, your finger was on the trigger. Great job. Because that's something with, that I struggle with. And then they those times actually inspire a lot of the posts that I make. And so I'm just like, hopefully they take that comment and they come find me. And then that information that they need, even without me directly telling them, they'll find it. Yeah. Or it's out there for the other people that may not know that they're doing it as well. Yeah. I love that. I, I got a little, I got a little sad. I took it too personal. I think not. And now it's, it's fine. I've, I've been beat down enough where it's fine now, but, uh, there was, I was seeing it a lot, the form, the form, uh, advice, like posts. And a lot of them were in groups that feel like a safe space, right? You know, like mm-hmm. we have a lot of fun banter. We share really cool success stories. Um, like women, like hunting groups or women archery groups in particular is what I'm thinking. And oh my goodness. So I had one where this girl had a picture of her shooting form. And her stance was, uh, her feet were like basically together when she was shooting. And, um, 
there were people just there was a mixture of people telling her everything was great which I was like ooh no and then but and then there was also the ones tearing her apart right there was like no middle mm-hmm. ground like there was there was no none. and so I personally messaged her and was like amp- I was like pumping her up and I was like hey this looks great this looks great I I admire you for putting yourself out there. I mean, I was just like her cheerleader, right? But I said, um, I gave her some like advice on her her feet. I'm like, but otherwise, girl, like keep doing it. You're you know you're awesome. Like, I was pretty confident that nothing in there was like depleting or negative or anything. Um, and she looked at it and said nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, said nothing. No response. Um, was kind of liking all of like the positive stuff was getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of likes. And then I kind of, and again, maybe she looked at it and just didn't respond or forgot to respond. I've done that. Right. Uh, I can't take it too personal, but then I'm like realizing it seemed like a, a, a clout thing, um, just to get the attention. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So. I was like kind of bummed that I like put myself out there to be actually helpful and not bring her down. And then it was kind of like, meh, meh. like, <laughs> nope, it was just, uh, I think it was just maybe an attention post. Um, and yeah. that was kind of a bummer for me. Cause like, I get it. Like you look cool, powerful. I get it. But I was like actually trying to help you, but in a positive way. Um, and and I don't think that's, that's what a- she was after. <laughs> And that's something as instructors, we do have to be careful of. Like when we're at the range and we see something, someone doing something wrong, it's not always our job to correct them. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to what I said about safety. Like if they're doing something and I feel like I'm going to get shot or something, yeah, I'm going to tell them. Or if they're going to hit their arm or I see like the other day I had a dad trying to help his kid shoot and there was just a lot wrong with what they were doing. Um, but unless I see them really struggling and getting frustrated, mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, how's it going? And then I really don't give any tips besides that. Or I'll say, hey, I'm a certified instructor. Can I give you some tips? And I ask that way. But what I've seen is I've actually had people been like, oh, okay, thanks. And either go to the other side of the range or Aww. they get in their heart and leave. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And it's not that they don't need to hear it and they don't want to hear it it's just it's not what they were expecting at that time sure, and they're yeah. not open to it yet yep. yet yes you got to leave that yet in there because someday they are going to crave and want to get better but not everyone's focused on getting better a lot of people are there just to fling arrows yep yes nope that's great that's like great perspective and i think you have to meet people where they're at i think that's just that's great advice uh the the bikini photo thing, um, <laughs> that is like, that is such a fascinating topic to me, uh, because <laughs> I too am like, women empowerment, like, you go girl, you're sexy as hell, yeah, great, and then I'm also like, from the perspective of, it feels a little degrading yeah it's like it's uh it's hard to be on both sides of that because i i want people to feel great in their skin if that's how they shoot if that's how they do their thing who am i to judge right but then it's like i know from experience that um that is probably not safe shooting attire (laughs) 
and, and I know. Especially that, out in the field. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. And um, I've seen a lot of those photos where there's not even like an arrow in the bow they're just like pulling the bow back um Mm -hmm. or the bow doesn't have there's no like the fletchings are off of it or there's no uh field point or broadhead on the front um the bow is upside down Um, and maybe they do that on purpose yeah maybe maybe that's (laughs) it's just how many comments can we get about what we're doing wrong yeah. And they just throw that in there on purpose. Yeah, no, I think it's kind of like what I was saying. I, I think sometimes they do, I think there are not, it's hard to know behind who's behind the screen, but uh, I think sometimes it's just for attention, you know, it's just for, to build up uh, their following or get likes or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's just is what it is. But I think depending on what hashtags they use, what forums they're putting that on, who that's getting in front of, it's sometimes, and I'm saying sometimes because not every single situation, but uh, it's giving the wrong idea of like what archery or hunting's about, you know, or like you have to show up this way to get noticed, or you have to look this way to be worthy, you know, or you have to like whatever. Uh, that's the stuff that bothers me. It's not even like the nude-ish stuff or the bikini stuff or the sexy stuff. Sometimes it's like even the, you have to shirt, you have to shoot a certain bow. You have to wear certain camouflage. You have to be a certain level of awesome to be relevant in this sport. Uh, that, the elitist kind of stuff, um, that drives me crazy. If you can afford it and you want the best of the best, absolutely you should do that. But to put it out there in a way that this is like the expectation that that is like grinds my gears a lot. Or that you're better than another archer because you have the most expensive equipment. Right. That always frustrates me. Yes. Yeah. And there's plenty of, you know, there's all kinds of kinds. There's people who they put their last dime into that bow and arrows and all their equipment and it it and they maybe they shouldn't have but they wanted they wanted that right and there's people mm-hmm. who could afford whatever they want but don't look at it that way and they buy something that's just basic and then there's everything in between you know um of like buying the best of the best purely just to look that way buying it because they can't afford it and they want it and so what they love the sport um and then there's people who like, like for me, I could talk about the whole, uh, I should have a podcast about this, but uh, like camouflage and the gear you wear, like just if you're talking like the hunting mm-hmm. perspective, um, I'm a pretty like low budget clothing person when it comes to hunting. I have some high end stuff, but it's whatever. Uh, my boyfriend, all, all expensive, all the high end stuff. Uh I've been hunting in a Carhartt jacket the last couple of weeks. It's been, it's been, all of my camo is in Colorado right now, waiting for, because my dad drove down at the beginning of his season. And so it's like, oh, I'd rather just ship it down with you rather than having to fly with it. Mm-hmm. So I sent it all down in the tote. And now I'm trying to deer hunt up here in Washington oh. and it's colder than I'm expecting. So I'm like, all right, what do I got that's going to work? And Deer are still coming out. I'm wearing a pale blue Carhartt jacket because it's the warmest coat I have, and deer are still coming out. 
oh my gosh, so much time has flown by, and I meant to ask you immediately, because I wrote it down, how is your deer season going? Um, <laughs> the, I'm so, it's, it's hunting, you know, yeah. success. I'm always just happy when I see animals, and so literally I was picking up, not picking up, but I folded up my chair so that I could climb out of my tree stand the other night. I probably should have sat there about 10 more minutes until it was too dark, but I could still see my pins. I didn't think anything was coming. I folded my seat up. And then as I'm literally like going to move around to go down the ladder, a doe and a fawn walk out. Mm. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I saw something. Um, my trail cam has been full of, there's three bucks that I've got my eye on and I, I'm, a, I'm just going for meat this year. I don't want to shoot a doe, really, but anything with horns, I'd be happy with. Um, but I just can't get them to come in during the daylight yet. So I'm hoping the, the does are there. They'll follow. Um, just got to give them some more time. And now we have interesting weather moving in. So I'm not really sure how that's going to play into it. But haven't shot one yet. Fingers still crossed. I'm taking a new... So a girl that I took hunting for the first time last year, which it was the cutest thing we were driving the truck off the hill and we drove past a field that had three deer in it and she got so excited she literally as I'm driving by at 50 miles per hour she pushes her nose up against the glass of the window and she goes did you see all those deer and she got so excited about these three deer and it was too dark we couldn't shoot them we couldn't go ask for permission or anything but just the excitement of a new hunter so tomorrow and Thursday she actually gets to come out and sit with me and I think she's open to shooting a doe or any anything that comes out. So that will be awesome if we're able to get her something this time. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That um, There is I, – I remember being told when I was younger, you know, from, like, my dad and some other folks about taking out someone hunting for the first time and, like, seeing their reaction gets, gets a lot – does a lot more for them than even hunting themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're younger at that time, I mentioned my competitive family. Um, (laughs) my dad had a lot of big deer on the wall. And so I've missed a lot of opportunities of some really nice deer of shots. I didn't take, um, because I wanted something as big as what my dad had. (laughs) And, uh, I don't like look at it like that anymore. Um, you know, and I didn't understand when he's saying he's gets that and he gets that enjoyment from taking others because in my head I'm like no 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 I need to shoot <laughs> a big deer you know and I def like that it's like interesting looking back at my 13 year old self of uh, just like where my head space is around that because I do get so much joy out of taking people out mm-hmm. and. Um, exposing them and like that that light in their eyes and the smile on their face and um also I also look at it like this if I would shoot it on the last day I'll probably shoot it on the first day hunting <laughs> so <that's> yeah <laughs> uh and uh there might be that might be a controversial thing to say um if you want to talk like deer management or whatever uh but I I definitely uh I love meat hunting in particular. Um, so, yeah. And so I have black tailed deer here and you have a lot of white tails. So both are 
kind of medium to small sized deer compared to a lot of the mule deer. You can find big ones, but not always. Um, and so I'm comparing a lot more of the body size of these different deer that I'm looking at on my trail camera more than I'm looking at their antlers. Interesting. Being in Iowa, being in like white tail heaven, uh, it's, there's a lot of big deer here. The, I mean, I just saw a massive, I saw a massive fat doe yesterday. Um, there are a lot, there are a lot of very big deer here, both size wise and rack wise. Um, and growing up hunting small town, Iowa, uh, I didn't have a lot of friends that hunted. I had, you know, my immediate family that hunted again, there was the competitive side, but at the same time, if you just shot a doe that everyone was like, heck yeah. Right. Like they were just excited. Like everyone's like, they're going to pump you up no matter what. Right. Exactly. So when I start getting into like college age, career age, uh, and getting out to the world of not small town, Iowa, which, you know, I'm still here, but getting more exposure to like other hunters and stuff like that and social media, um, in Iowa, there is a little bit of this, the deer here are really big, right? Uh, so there's kind of like this stigma sometimes of like people sometimes get afraid to show their pictures of their deer and, or they'll say something like, it's not that big, but got her done. And it, and I wish people would stop doing that. Um, again, you could come from the deer management side of things where you should like should shoot big bucks. But being in Iowa, there is like a lot of pressure to shoot like really big deer um, because there are really big deer here. But but like our medium sized deer are like other states huge deer. You know what I mean? So Interesting. it's, uh, you know, if if someone's not shooting a 160 class or better whitetail, most of the time you see something in their in their post that says something to the effect of like their deer is not that big. Right. And I, I also hate when people right. do that. Yes. And because I, then it forces people, sorry, it no, forces people good. to make it the expectation yes. rather than big deer or just, it's awesome when you get one, but it, it's not, it shouldn't be expected. Right. Or it makes people, especially new hunters or new archers, and this goes with shooting deer or, or maybe, you know, you're used to shooting a 300 and one day you shoot a 290 and you're like, oh man, that day sucked. And then you have the person sitting there who shoots a 270 every time they show up and they're like, oh man, I just suck at shooting. Yeah. That is a huge reason why people give up. Yes. That applies so much to archery and hunting both. I agree 100%. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's hard. You'll never completely fix that problem. You know, like you can't reach everybody. You can't, um, you can't stop people from posting things like that or, or talking that way or, you know, self-deprecating stuff. But I think it's important to get the message out there of like, this is your hunt or this is your shoot or this is your bow or this is your experience. This is your life. And you need to do what makes you happy. And like, you know, all of those things uh, that, and you know, even me being someone that has hunted my whole life, like it was kind of weird to like sometimes people like want to just know like about the big animals I've shot and like I like it like really turns me off because like just because 
there's a lot of very successful hunters and archers out there. Um, but, but your success is not exactly based on like how big your deer is. Right. Uh, that is not necessarily an indicator of how great you are. And that's just out here. There's a lot of weight to that. Um, and I, I wish it wasn't that way. Yeah, I 100% agree because success isn't only when you notch that top tag and you come home with an animal. Success can just be having a great time on your hunt. It could be you saw a bunch of animals or maybe you had a su successful stock even though you didn't end up with a sh right, shot. exactly. Yeah. It, it's different. Yes, yes. Or having the self-control to not not make a bad shot, right? Like I, sometimes mm -hmm. if an animal, if you're only successful at 40 yards, not not taking a shot beyond that and having that control of like sometimes that's successful like I know for me like that is a successful thing to not fling an arrow that I'm not ready to like have the rep repercussions for right because you don't want to you want to have a successful kill uh, you don't want to miss and you don't want to like really really mess that animal up right yeah um, it, it just looks there's just so many layers there that I wish we all talked about a little bit more um but I love like what you share on your site and social media oh, and like your perspective on things. And um, I think you're a great resource for people. Like even though you're in Washington, everything you've done is like great for people across the country. And it's it just like an easy place to go to for advice and tips and know-how. And you're just like very um, – easy to learn from and I love that and appreciate you and what you're doing um is there general advice you would have for someone out there who's listening who wants to get into archery um or where to get started uh what what would you have to say to them I would say well first of all thank you for all of the kind words that you're you just welcome. gave me <laughs> that always warms my heart like hearing that people are actually watching and hearing what I say, it still amazes me to this day. I still think it's just my grandma out there saying, great job, Stephanie. Um, but it's not anymore. I'm, um, and so what I say is find your local bow shop or someone who offers lessons at your range and sign yourself up for a lesson and see if you have fun with it. And if you do, start looking into your next steps. And if you don't, well, great. Hey, you got to go shoot a bow or do a class for a day. And that's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's lots of other little tips and tricks. My big thing on my page and my blog is everything archers expect you to know, but no one tells you because you don't know what questions to ask yet until you know what questions to ask because you did it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so letting you know ahead of time is kind of what I aim to do with the information that I share. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just don't know what you don't know until you're in it, right? And uh, yeah, I I love, um, you've had some like recent posts too that really get into like those little things that people don't tell you or you don't know to ask. And I, I'm, I love that. Um, how can people reach out to you, find you, follow you, all of those things? So I am very, I still answer every message I get on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Archer Steph. Um, it's the period Archer period Steph. 
Um, and then my website is stephanierustad.com. My Let Her Fly blog is on there. And then if you're local to Washington, I actually have all my events and everything listed on there and my calendar for lessons. So um, check it all out. And if you have any questions, shoot them to me. Awesome. Thank you. Do you ever find that you have little, sorry, no, like okay. I always say like, hey, I'm aiming for this or like, hey, shoot it to me or just little. And I'm like, oh, that was a pun. I'm so funny. And then I sit there and giggle to myself. <laughs> all the time like uh yes all the time um I work now for okay so I I work for an organization called Outdoor Mentors and I plan mm-hmm. I plan youth hunts across the state of Iowa and so I work Sweet. with a lot of trap shooting teams uh we get trap we get trap shooting teams both uh high school and collegiate out hunting is what I do and um because so like all of those little sayings that you just said they yeah i'll shoot you an email or whatever well we got we got a lot of like i don't know dads on the who are coaches for these teams so like dad joke central you know of like ha uh-huh. with a smiley face like intended. <laughs> and like i'm sure they are thinking oh my gosh i'm a dork and i'm like love it because like i'm thinking the same thing in my head so i love the dad jokes uh and it cracks me up, and I giggle every time. Um, so, okay, so I'm not alone. No. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And, and it's, uh, so, uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, but this is just how my brain works. So, uh, I, I've been a part of Mossy Oak Pro Staff for uh, a couple of years, and um, I've helped at some, like, retail events and... Not even just that. Not even just that. If I go in public wearing my camouflage or I'm at a retail event or I go to, we have like what's called the Iowa Deer Classic out here and uh, or anything like that. If I am wearing camo and I am standing in front of a group of people, I, I always count how many times someone say, oh, they didn't see, I didn't see you there. I didn't see yes. you there. I, it is like, I honestly, I, I can't. I even tell you how many times in my life I have had that said to me. Um, and every person who says it says it to me like they like I have never heard that joke before and it is like the funniest thing in the world and their reaction like is what's funny. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. And I'm like, I love this. Like it never it never gets old. It just makes me nod and smile. And uh, Exactly <laughs> It just kills me. I don't know. Um so, yeah, all for the puns. Uh, I know. Sometimes I catch them and I'm like, ooh, should I change that so they don't think I'm doing it on purpose? And I'm like, no, maybe they'll think I'm doing it on purpose and I just hit send anyways and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because sometimes it's like, okay, so uh, this is like something that's been wheeling in my head, too, is I, you know, the word release. Um, I have done a lot of um like women like uh kind of sort of in a weird way like just like women empowerment stuff women coaching um outside of archery even and there's a lot of like just taking a deep breath you know and like releasing all that bad energy and like that has been like a recent one that has come up (laughs) as a as a word for me because I'm kind of a I'm a hippy dippy girl uh so it just 
It just, that's a new, that's a new one that's been coming up a lot, but I like that word, you know, cause that's really what it is. Like re- for me is releasing all the bad stuff and focusing on my shot and that's yeah. putting the rest of the world, you know, away for a little while. Um, I like it. Yeah. Thank you. I, <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate that, but yes, <laughs> yes. I honestly feel like I did not ask enough archery specific questions and I could have asked you a hundred more things and I really just wanted to like have this banter with you and like get your thoughts and experiences and everything. Um, I, I want to end by asking, is there anything on your heart or something you wish that people would ask you that maybe they don't or something you really like to speak on specifically? Oh man. Um, I mean, I, I just normally put it out there, <laughs> whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I wish people knew this. Yeah. Um, but just to end with, like, one piece of advice is, like, if you're thinking about it or if it's something that you've always wanted to do, just go do it. <laughs> just take that step. And this is a weird tie-in, but, like, I'm the person who I only set one alarm. And I have friends who they set 10 and they snooze it every time. But what that does is it's like my alarm goes off, I I hit it, and I'm like, all right, time to get up. One, two, three, go. And ever since getting out of this this past relationship, actually, that has become my new mantra almost, is whenever I'm contemplating doing something and I'm like, oh, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure I can. Or like walking into a new restaurant for the first time or a new bow shop. And it's like, oh, this is going to be really awkward. I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I can do this. It's just one, two, three, go. And then I just tell it, I just force myself to go and you get it over with because it's just that first step that is so hard. And once you're there, you're going to have so much fun and it's so worth it. So just take that first step. Oh, wow. I love that. I, I immediately felt attacked. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) No, I'm teasing. I mean, kind of, but I, uh, I, I, I do tend to. You have 10 alarms. I do. But I was going to say, I have a puppy now, and so for the last few weeks, it doesn't matter how many alarms I have, when he's actually very good in the kennel, but around between like 5 and 6 a.m., he does out this little whine, and he's got to go to the bathroom. And he's done it since we got him, and I'm really lucky because most puppies in the kennel, like they whine, they whine, they whine, they whine, you know? Uh, he is like, he knows it's relaxed time and he doesn't, he sleeps through the night till about five in the morning. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was telling my boyfriend, um, over and over again, cause I have, uh, you know, I, I have multiple jobs, uh, my own organization and my podcast. And I also, there's a lot of stuff I like to do with my time, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when I'm ready for bed, I sleep hard and I always say I, I sleep in a little longer than I, I want to, you know, I, if I told him, I'm like, if I would just get up closer to five, uh, I could get my workout in. Maybe I could answer some emails right away, journal, you know, start my day off right. And I just wasn't doing that. I just like, wasn't, I just like lost that. And then we got this puppy and man, like that is my one alarm. It doesn't matter how many I set when he whines, it has made me get up immediately. Um, and that's your go it's my it's my go and it's changed 
because it's something, you know, I committed to this dog. He's going to be my bird dog. He's my baby. He's my responsibility. And to me, I just, I have to, I have to work with him. I have to be good to him, right? That, that's just like a trigger for me. Um, and I'm like, God, why couldn't I get up at 5 a.m. before? Before I had to like let a whining puppy outside to go to the bathroom, you know? Uh, but that's my goal. And uh, I've been thinking about that. I'm like, I just need to either forget the alarm at this point or shut all the tent, the extra nine off because that's me. That is definitely me. Um, until the last three weeks. Now I get up early. So, But when you make that change, you just have to recognize that you no longer have those backups. And you okay. have to train yourself a little bit differently. Yes. Or else because you're late for work and that sucks. Right, because it's an out. And uh, um, I think that's like what you're kind of, you know, what you're getting at too is like if you don't have that out and you know like, the, hey, this is it. One, two, three, go. You're going. Uh, it, it's, it's happening. It's like jumping off a cliff. The longer you sit there, and I don't know if you go cliff jumping in Iowa, but I've <laughs> we have lakes here and I've, I've jumped off a couple cliffs. And you're sitting there staring at this 30-foot bluff, and you're like, whew, I'm going to land funny. This is not going to go good. Uh And if you get up there, you look at it, you figure it out, okay, one, two, three, jump. And you land it, and it's great. And you have the adrenaline rush, you're falling, and splash, and everything's fine, and you do it again. It's just that first jump. You just got to get over it. Thank you so much. For being on this podcast and just being my social media friend <laughs> and all the absolutely <laughs> it was so much fun talking to you today you, you too thank you and I can't wait to hear more more from you and see what you're doing and yeah appreciate you thank you appreciate <laughs> you too thank you so much for being here for this episode Go check out Steph's website. Follow her on Instagram. If Archery is your jam at all, she's your girl. She knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And she's an absolute amazing person to be in contact with. She answers messages. Super helpful. Has a great attitude. Positive. Great teacher. Check her out. Support her. Give her some love. Thank you again for being here. Until next time.